Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Walking Through Fire Friday episode. And we're walking through fire today with Jerry Johnson. And the reason why we're still walking through fire, even though the fires are out, is because the biggest incinerator of common sense resides in Olympia. We'll be talking about that in just a moment. Our inspiration today is our anchor of hope. I held a picture of people sleeping under pieces of cardboard in a dim alley. What do they need? I asked my sixth grade Sunday school class. Food, someone said. Money, said another. A safe place, a boy said thoughtfully. Then one girl spoke up. Hope. Hope is expecting good things to happen, she explained. I found it interesting that she talked about expecting good things when due to challenges. It can be easy not to expect good things in life. The Bible nevertheless speaks of hope in a way that agrees with my student. If faith is confidence in what we hope for, we who have faith in Jesus can expect good things to happen. What is this ultimate good that believers in Christ can hope for with confidence? The promise of entering his rest. For believers, God's rest includes his peace, confidence of salvation, reliance on his strength, and assurance of a future heavenly home. The guarantee of God and the salvation Jesus offers is why hope can be our anchor, holding us fast in times of need. The world needs hope indeed. God's true and certain assurance that throughout good and bad times, he'll have the final say and won't fail us. When we trust in him, we know that he'll make all things right for us in his time. Heavenly Father, our hope is in you, and it is firm and secure, not because our faith is strong, but because you're faithful to do as you have promised. Lord, help us to make it through the things that we need to make it through today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad that God is preparing a place for us because I wouldn't want to have to go through the building permit process. And we're looking at that today with Jerry Johnson. She is an advocate. And I want to just thank you for coming into the studio today. Thank you for having me. So tell the audience, you know, who's Jerry Johnson? Where'd you come from? And how'd you end up in the studio? You know, a Reader's Digest of, of the life of Jerry Johnson. Sure. So I have lived in the area since 1974, kind of excited that it is the Expo 50th year anniversary. My sister is the mayor of Medical Lake, and uh, there was a picture of the roller coaster ride, and that actually my sister and I are on that roller coaster, and uh, so that's been a fun thing. Um, That was my first weekend in Spokane. And so, but I am the president of Reimagine Medical Lake, and uh, Reimagine Medical Lake is going into its ninth year. And in our community, my husband and I, we reside on the family farm that has been in our, in our family since 1932. And we're very passionate about uh, rural life and about uh, food sustainability, about being rural uh, uh, intentionality, making sure that supply chain is uh, accessible to all. And we've been in business uh, our entire married life. My husband started when he was 14 years old, and uh, he now this year turns 60. And so we have that business. I also own a little boutique on the corner of uh, Lake and Lafay in Medical Lake. And again, another intentional thing, just being accessible to the community. 
And then I, we have three children and uh, 14 grandchildren. Wow. And so, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And so, but with Reimagine Medical Lake, we thought that uh, there was a few of us that got together that uh, we wanted to see um, how we could impact our community in a uh, intentional way that we could work together with the school district with the local city government, uh, with the churches, with the other civic groups, and with the citizens. And we've done a lot of that through festivals. We use volunteerism. And, so you're uh, the private sector side of the Department of Commerce without all the government funding and bureaucracy. Absolutely. That's what it sounds like to yeah, me. Yeah, everything, everything we have done, we, we've done on a shoestring and a wing and a lot of prayer. And it but has, it sounds like the collaboration, because you don't have that bureaucracy, you're able to have free-flowing communication between private sector groups, the businesses, yep. the farming community. Because Medical Lake, tell me if I'm wrong, I, I did the walk. There, there used to be a walk in Medical Lake years ago when I was a kid, and we uh, used to do the walk. The Fools Run at Midnight? Fools Run at Midnight, Yep, That's the right. Lions Club, and I'm a Lions Club member too, and so, yep, they still do that. Yeah, I remember the t-shirt that year. It was a gray shirt with a big moon, and we were all howling at the moon. There was a wolf, yep. you know, and so. Yep, um, I'd have to say my favorite is our daughter played basketball, so every summer we had the big Medical Lake turnout, and they had the best referees. Yep. They were all volunteers, and the pizza place, of course, was always our favorite place to eat because it was all you could eat pizza yeah but. yeah so medical lake's also really supportive of the military there's a lot of military yes. families out there and it's a really mixed community as far as zoning and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today i know when you look at farming then you have the more urban there's some housing developments there's m some military housing off base mm -hmm. housing there and and so you have this mix of commercial and residential urban farming like your farm that's multi-generational and obviously you got some great grandchildren that might be taking it over someday and so Me you want to probably i know it's called reimagine medical lake but you probably in reimagining it you don't want to do it the way you've seen in other communities the government top down is forced on the community more local community deciding hey it's okay to have a farm right in the middle of an well, absolutely. And uh, we actually have went into our second year of having our local farmer's market. And so just inviting those thoughts and opportunities in. And so, you know, how do we partner with those local stakeholders and how do we make it accessible and remove barriers? You know, there's so many different things that we can do to help broaden those opportunities. When you talk about Fairchild, you know, we're, you know, it's six miles to Airway Heights, it's seven miles to Cheney, Medical Lake's right in the center, but none of them have four lakes. And so we have a lot of assets, a lot of natural assets that the other two cities don't have, and we are military rich. That's the way that I like to refer to it. Many people that have went to Fairchild as their duty assignment, they go there because they're ordered there right but they come back because they choose to there's a lot of spokane that comes from somewhere else that came here either because they served here at fairchild mm -hmm. or they heard rumors about the area and said i'm going to go check it out and so we get a lot of spokane residents there so you're you've been involved in this this is nine years ago that you've been doing a, a lot of these activities you're also on the lo local school board right correct and so you've been in the fire for a long time but the complexities of that inferno changed because before it was just advocating for your community, looking out for each other as neighbors. 
But now you have the devastation of the fires that happened a year ago. Well, not five even months a year, ago. Five months ago. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's been a long time, but it's and it's a very difficult process for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to frame this conversation just to demonize the legislature because I do enough of that here. But it seems like there's just been a lack of leadership, not just in this case, but seeing what's happening with this case, every human being out there that has belongings in a structure that has paid bills has to realize that all of these same problems we could we could all face if one house burned or 50 houses burned. And in this case, we're talking about hundreds of houses. Well, it's true as far as each one of us, I would say I have encouraged all of my own family, friends, neighbors, you know, check your policy. It's super important. You know, what, what do you have as far as your own responsibilities? I think that that's a chief responsibility each one of us have. You know, there's those who are uninsured, and I think part of that is the burden of expense right now that all of us have. I think that where we're going as far as economics, our entire nation is facing, you know, a huge crisis that way. But I think the homeowners themselves are definitely in a, in a crisis mode number one, from the trauma of the catastrophic fire, but then trying to face how they're going to move forward. And we're, the gray fire is pertaining mostly to medical lake, right? It is. And and the, But then we had another fire out in mm-hmm. the Elk, Washington area. So I, I look at the landscape of kind of what's gone on with those discussions. And of course, right now we have a super hyper sensitive legislature when it comes to construction and most all those politicians ran on affordable housing every time a politician says affordable housing it gets more expensive they want to raise property taxes Uh, we have the insurance commissioner at the state level that's made insurance harder to get more expensive and so if you look at your homeowner's insurance policy most people if they have outbuildings it doesn't include the outbuildings if you have tools and equipment in your shop most of the time, it doesn't include the replacement of the tools and the equipment that we're in an outbuilding. If you have upgrades to the home that was done that is not reflective of the insurance, it doesn't include those things. So there's a lot of loss when you have a de- devastating fire like we saw out there. And we have a state government that says, well, we're going to change the zoning. We're changing the rules on you while your ashes are still being analyzed. Is that kind of what's going on? Well, you know, there is a process that they have to get their asbestos test first as far as that part goes. I can't speak to every single situation because, of course, there's um, just under 300 in Medical Lake um, individual homeowners that are going to have to speak to that. We have emergency management that came in and spoke to each person as far as filing that. But absolutely, they're going to have to address that. We do have the money that was allocated from Governor Ensley that just recently has um, said that they will reimburse for the asbestos uh, removal. And uh, we're hopeful that that will actually take some burden off of those homeowners. That issue is a bothersome issue for me personally, because I did some construction years back Mm -hmm. and actually wasn't that many years ago. And I did a couple of asbestos abatement jobs. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that we just put special tags on the plastic bags that it went in and it went to the same dump everything else did. Right. So let's get government out of the way and let's get people back in their homes before they lose the ability to build those homes. Because I know that during this time, some folks have had to put out for other alternative housing. They did. And, you know, there has been, uh, the one thing that I can say is that we have, um, you know, it's been too slow. 
I mean, we've talked about the speed of government, which is slow. And that's been one of the things that we have done as trying to change that. Can change because they do executive orders. They do emergency declarations. I see when politicians have a desire to accomplish something, it can be expedited and they get it done very quickly. And so it needs to be a priority to serve the citizens that are trying to rebuild their communities. And I think that our listenership out there, I'm sure we have some people listening that know people that were affected by those fires and people that are living in trailers, people that are living, you know, in guest rooms at families' homes, families that have had to split up because there's not enough room in one place that they can find for the whole family. And it really is an issue when the legislature is focusing on so many other things and not looking at some of the largest destruction from fires in our state's history as far as residential houses burn. So uh, we're going to have to take a break, but we're going to be back with Jerry Johnson. And we're going to want to talk more about the Washington legislature what you can do to connect with them and tell them that they need to do their job in mitigating the excessive costs of trying to rebuild a community right here in our own backyard. We'll be right back. Today, we want to think about how our founding fathers established a nearly foolproof system of government. Its checks and balances are among the most noteworthy aspects of our republic. Our government, when functioning as it was designed, champions our liberties and prevents our government from becoming tyrannical and oppressive. By and large, however, the American people are sadly uninformed about democratic principles and their role in safeguarding our freedoms. What's more, the clearly defined lines between the three branches of government are becoming blurred and the United States citizens are paying the price. We must continue to pray that God protects our way of life asking him that he would allow men and women in office who are committed to serving their constituents with integrity. We must remain in prayer for our elections, asking God to promote our fellow citizens to become more involved in this process. Voting is both a duty and a privilege, and the outcomes of our political races are critical in determining the future course of our nation. If you would take a moment to visit our website, www dot right perspective.com we have a list of all of our elected officials again go to www.rightspokaneperspective.com and let's all take a moment to pray for our officials and for the laws that they're looking at passing now back to our show and welcome back to right spokane perspective we are walking through the fire not with but with Jerry Johnson. And the reason why it's not with is because my house is still standing and all my neighbors' homes are still standing, but hers are not. And people are hurting and we have a Washington legislature that has seemingly in the past done everything they can and are continuing to do to make it more difficult, more expensive to build a home, much less rebuild a home. The environmental mitigations are eating up the insurance of these residents who would like to rebuild their lives and their homes. And they're also coupled with the lack of law enforcement in the community while things are being stolen that's on their property. Maybe that an outbuilding that was still standing or they had mementos that were in the ashes that they put off to the side and theft is going on in this area. And it's just, it's crazy to me how low some people are, but that is what's occurring. And I think the lowliness needs to leave the legislature and they need to start leading Welcome back to the conversation. Thank you. Ms. Johnson. So the legislature, 
our listeners are pretty active. They talk to folks, they reach out to legislators, they reach out to family, friends of legislators, and we want to urge them to do the right thing. So what's most important for our listeners to know about the struggle that all these property owners are going through and how our legislature should fix it? Not just because you guys aren't doing this just selfishly. You're also looking at what about the next people that Absolutely. have a home burned down? Yeah. Um, so I am on the long-term recovery board here in Spokane. So it's a Spokane County long-term recovery board. House Bill 1952 is establishing a statewide long-term recovery group and creating a disaster playbook. And so that is something that I would say to the listeners, why is that important? It is important because um, we have individuals from both the elk community and the medical lake community that are representatives on that board as well as other stakeholders. But as we continue to serve both of our communities, when we get that done, we have established a 501c3, like uh, I'm going to call it a book that you're going to put on a shelf at a library when the next disaster happens. Not if, but of course, when. Well, we've seen this in Washington State right? several times, and this has not been dealt with. This Correct. Is, we've seen, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the small town. A How few about years Malden? Back. Malden, the town yes, of Malden. Yes, it's Malden, right. Burned. So that's exactly the great example. And so, so then nothing gets rebuilt. Exactly. We have some great people who have said, this is what we did, this is what you can do, but there was nothing established. We are making it to where this recovery group and disaster playbook and the 501c3, you're going to be able to take that and plug and play. We will still be there. Some people will say, yeah, this is what you can do. You can follow my lead. We'll, you know, mentor you, whatever. But it won't be like recreating the wheel. That's, that's what's happening now. So yes. It's so difficult, and we've talked about infill. And so this is where your government, every time someone says affordable housing and they're a politician, they've lied. If they've been in the government for any amount of time at all, they're lying. Because if you're a big developer and you want to build 100 houses, it's almost as easy as building 10. And most contractors, it's not very profitable, what they call onesies or twosies. And right now what's happening is people want to rebuild what they had or close to what they have. And that's, for one, impossible. So they're going to have to re-engineer their lives to, to rebuild. But th the government regulations are in the way. The costs of the government to start that process are in the way. Well, and I will tell you, I met with a homeowner this last week. I talked to anywhere between, oh, four to ten homeowners a day. And uh, she said that in, I think it was 1999 when they built... They built for one hundred and seventy-five thousand. That same house is seven hundred and fifty thousand. So you know where she was at in insurance and all of that, and and they were going to have it everything paid off, retire, be done in a year. Well, just ten years ago, you could buy a two by four for you know a dollar. Now they're you know five, six, seven dollars depending on the quality you're Correct. looking for. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just it's. It's a terrible situation for those individuals and, you know, those who, you know, were the upwards of 60, you know, to, to be straddled with a mortgage. Rebuild when you're trying to retire. Or you were retired. Yeah. I mean, weren't they were retired. and So people are looking at having to reenter the workforce just so that they can. Have a house. And not even what they had. Just no. so that they have a survival. Right. 
Yeah. And the legislature's not taking action. Well, and it's, you know, and, and to try to figure out, you know, what is the homeowner's responsibility, what the government could help and do, and we need help. Mm-hmm. And not only do they need help, but we need to have this plan so that we can make sure that the best plan of action is set in place for anything else that happens beyond this. Yeah, there has to be legislation that says, look, if you had a house that was built within a reasonable amount of time, obviously you're not going to be able to find asbestos to reinstall if it's an old, old home. But why do you have, it's like getting rid of the natural gas. They want to go all electric. If residents in these areas don't get a building permit and everything approved and start the process by March 1st, right? we're talking a month from now, then they're out of luck. They're going to have to deal with whatever the legislature's dealt them, which increases their monthly expenses, but it also creates an expense and a re-engineering of the, the structure that they want to build. Yeah, they're talking about that cost increase between twenty to $40,000 immediately. After just, just in energy? Yeah. As far as your, your heating? Permitting. Per- permitting. Oh, just the permitting. I mean, they're talking about that... Um, that cost of a house and your permitting is going to go up. Well, I've heard that the cost of a home, about 30% of it, uh, 30% of it is governmental regulation and cost. Yeah. And, and so that cost is going up from that 30% even higher. And I mean, the legislators should look at it also in a way that they need to take sudden action because the inflationary effects that we're seeing right now is government. Government created the inflationary cycle that we're in that put all of these homeowners in a place where the money that they thought they were going to be able to get from insurance is not going to go near as far as it would have just a couple years ago. Right. It's true. And, um, you know, if not one of these homeowners asked for this to happen, nobody woke up in the morning and said, yep, I want to have this wildfire come through and wipe out 150 homes on the West shore. And nobody in Elk said, come down my road and take out all of these of my neighborhood. And they're asking to build their homes back in the same neighborhood that they lived in. They want to live there. They ask to live there. And they need the support. They need the help. Well, and I would think it would be very easy. If I put myself in the county commission seat or or let's say in the legislature, in the uh, zoning departments kind of area, you just make the phone calls and you say, we are going to exempt these uh, residents from this, 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 and this. We're going to give them, instead of a one-year time period to get the construction going and building, we're going to extend it out to three years. We're going to be flexible on that rule over there. If natural gas is already there, they can have natural gas. Just be reasonable. It's that easy and we seem to have a government that is not responsive to the needs of citizens. And and there's these bills. So I think to some extent, these bills don't even have to occur. I think the executive branch, I think Jay Inslee's uh, executive branch can waive regulations because of the emergency. All they have to do is declare an emergency. And all they have to do is write down the names of the people that were affected, which I'm sure are already on a list that can be emailed to them. So everybody whose names are on that list would obvious would automatically have those waivers mm. set in place. Right. Well, and there, there's been a couple other things that, that have gone on, and I think we should cover it a little bit because not 
everybody's a bad actor in this. There are some legislators that are trying yep. to, to help. But I think that West Side politics has decided that this isn't a priority and they're pushing other bills and, you know, gun laws and, you know, ideological laws when we have residents that really need government to put in a stopgap method of thinking so that it's not about the future environment and climate change and everything else. We need to remove the debris and start building houses. Building season's right around the corner. The rains are coming. The grass is going to start turning green. The sun's going to be out. And if we don't get contractors attracted to these build sites, these homeowners could be out of a home another winter. Yeah. And we do have some homes that are in, you know, in process, but there's definitely some homeowners that are, you know, just in that position where they just don't know that they can, they don't have the money to build back. They don't have the, whatever it is, they're stuck. And so it definitely is that position of, you know, what can I do and how can I do it? So it's, I definitely, they need advocates. Yeah, so we, we should all be contacting those that are in, in reach, our legislature. We can send messages to uh, the governor. You can go to ledge.wa.gov, send stuff to the legislature. There is a couple of bills that have gone on. I know that we have local representatives in the 6th Legislative District, uh, Jenny Graham and what's Representative Mike Voles. Representative uh, Suzanne Schmidt and Representative Leonard Christian. Yeah, fourth legislative Senator district as Mike well. Padden, Senator Mike Patton, I know, was involved in in working on so, items for that. So you don't need to contact them because they're already working on it. Contact the other people in the legislature and tell them to start helping and taking action on these. Because what if your house burned down and you look at your insurance and you're like, well, I bought it 10 years ago. It was good insurance then. Well, it's not now because the building codes have changed that increase the cost of building your home because of government by another 10 or 15%. Then you have inflation. There goes another 20%. Then you have the inflationary cost of diesel and getting the products out to your build site. You don't have enough insurance to build your garage and repave your driveway, folks. That's just the reality because you've also got the mitigation and the cleanup costs that are much higher than they were just a few years ago. So we should all be hoping that these people have something in place because we could all be in there in the same shoes. All it takes is, is a spark and it's over. Absolutely. And pay attention to who you are insured with. We are getting, you know, it's some definite inclinations that there are a couple of companies who may be pulling out of Washington state. So your insurance, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. You might not live close to the fires, um, but our entire state is considered well, high risk now. And that, and that has a little bit to do with our insurance commissioner that didn't allow a lot of insurance companies to come into the state to insure because of the regulatory environment for the insurance companies here in Washington. But uh, this is not something that's just central to those that have um, had their homes burned because of these yeah. two big fires that we had. But this is the time to shine the light because there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are homeless right now that are not getting hundred thousand dollars or more thrown at them every year like the other homeless that we have in our county are receiving massive resources but the people that just want government to get out of the way so they can rebuild their home government's still that blockage so make those phone calls call the governor call the legislative hotline at 1-800-562-6000 ledge.wa.gov use it like your social media page and let's get these folks head on straight so they can realize who they serve, and that we have homeless to no fault of their own, I guess has always been the discussion. 
but they'd like to get back in a home. So is there any other things just in the last minute of the show that you can uh, tell the listeners about the, um, I, I would guess, not reimagining Medical Lake, but reimagining that there's houses there again? Absolutely. Um, if you are interested in supporting any of the families um, that were impacted by the fire, um, you can go to reimagine.com and uh, we have been uh, supporting those families and we are not taking uh, clothing donations and things like that. I always get that question um, because we're really wanting to let those families have uh, the power and dignity to make their own choices. Um, but we are getting support to them through other ways and means. But if you wanted to support them that way, please uh, look at that our website. And we have a fire site there and you can check it out. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming into the studio today, Jerry. We we're going to going to stay on this because this, you know, the legislature is something we watch here on this show and they can pass a whole lot of laws. They can, they can pick the new shellfish. They can do all the silliness that they do. You know, the, the, the States, what was the last one they did? They were trying to create the mythical creature for Washington when there is so much more important work that they should be doing. They got the votes. They're getting paid by us. It's time to serve the citizens and those that are homeless to no fault of their own, that they seem to throw money at all the time, they need to realize there's another group they've been ignoring. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.